Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Guys, it is the second Sunday of August. Can you believe it? Come on. Summer is almost over, and there is how many more weeks till school? One more, and then some of you are going to Cleburne, and you got to go back tomorrow. I'm so sorry. So sorry about that. Man, it's either a day or it's a week, but school is coming back soon. And you know what that means? That means I'm so sad about this. That means summer is almost over. Everybody say, oh, because I love summer. How many love summer? Come on, do you love summer? I love summer. And one of the things that I love about summer, man, is that summer is one of those times of the year where things kind of slow down just a little bit. Maybe you get a little bit of a chance to kind of break away, maybe get off work for a little bit, go on a trip, take a little vacation. Some people even today are still taking kind of that last-minute trip before school starts and all that kind of stuff. And I love that about summer, one of my favorite times of year. And yet at the same time, the very thing that I love about summer is also the very thing that I hate about summer. Come on, right? And especially as a pastor, because here's what I know. is like when the summertime comes along, what do we do? Is Man, we kind of take a little bit of break from the routine. Maybe we kind of lay back just a little bit and enjoy a little bit of vacation time, a little bit of time where things are a little bit slower in our lives, maybe not quite so many habits and routines. And yet many times, if we're not careful, let's just be honest, sometimes in the summer we can also take a little bit of vacation from God. In fact, I've seen this as a pastor, man. I see it in so many lives that we begin to stop doing those things that really draw us to God, those going to church and those spiritual disciplines and habits and things that maybe maybe as we focus on God, we draw closer to Him, but then as the summertime comes, we kind of lose focus. And so here's my job as a pastor. Every year when August rolls around, my job as a pastor is to help you to get back to focus. So everybody look at your neighbor, tell them, get back to focus. Help you to get back to a place of focus, to really turn our attention and our hearts, to turn our minds back towards God as we've all been a little bit scattered throughout the summer and to come back and say, hey, let's get back on the same page because I believe that God wants to do great things in your life. In fact, that's what this series that we started last week called Encounters is really all about. But let me just say it like this, guys. It's more than just a series. Look at your other neighbor. Tell him it's more than just a series. It's more than just a series. It's more than just some sermons that kind of fit together with a little title. This is, I believe, a moment, a season in time, a very strategic and important time in your life and in the lives of our church where I believe that God wants to encounter us in a very real and life-changing way. Come on. I believe that this month that God could do things in your life that could change your life forever. And all you got to do is turn your focus towards him. In fact, we learned it last week how Moses, he saw God differently than anybody had ever seen him. He saw him face to face. And the scripture tells us that we too can see God in that way that all we have to do is turn our hearts towards him. And so in this month, man, what we are doing is we're saying, hey, I want to turn my heart, I want to turn my attention, my focus towards God so that I can see him face to face, so that I can see him in a way that could really bring about change in my life. 
And the bottom line of this whole series is really just this, is that we don't just need an explanation. We need an encounter. See, the truth is like every single Sunday I get up here and I do my best to, to encourage you and to explain God's word and to help you to learn and study and help you to grow and learn those things in the things of God. But here's the truth, guys. If we don't have an experience with God, it don't matter how good my message is. It don't matter how much I can break it down into point one, two, and three, and they all start with the same letter. Come on, that makes it easy for you, doesn't it? It don't matter none of that stuff unless there is an experience with the power of God in our lives. And that's what this series, that's what this month is really all about. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in our key scripture for this entire entire series. It's on the screen there, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 3. Look what he says. He says, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but were with a what? Everybody say it out loud. With a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And that's what I want to see happen in this month in our church, in your life, in your family, in our community, that it wouldn't just be words, but God would show up in power, that it wouldn't just be a series or a sermon. It wouldn't just be an outline, but in the middle of all of this, that God would show up and that he would demonstrate his power through his spirit working in our lives. And that's what we've been trying to do in this series. In fact, as you came in today, you saw on both sides of the front of the room, We have these prayer walls that are set up, and these are opportunities for us to just join together and believe that we can encounter God. In fact, some of you are here today, and you walked into this room, and you have things going on in your life that you need a miracle. In fact, some of you are here, and if you don't have a divine encounter and a divine interruption of the presence of God in your life, you're not going to make it. And today, I want to just tell you that God wants to work in every situation of your life. That at the end of this service, man, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity, just like I did last week. We're going to have an extended time of just of worship, and I'm going to give you a chance to take your little prayer cards that are at your seat and write your prayer needs and take them and put them on the wall. Maybe take a few of the prayer needs that are on the wall back to your seat with you and pray over them and with them, and we're going to join together. And I'm believing that this month, things that are written on these walls, that before the end of this month, many of those things, we're going to see God answer the prayers, right? In fact, when you do, you're going to go back to the wall and get one of those little pink cards and you're going to write answered prayer on there. And we're going to celebrate it together. Every single Sunday night during this month, we are joining together for what we're calling Encounter Nights. And I'm telling you, man, last week, if you were here for Encounter Night, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't here, I'll just tell you, you missed out. Last week, Encounter Night was incredible. The presence of the Lord that showed up. And I'll just tell you this, what's so cool is that's just the first one. I believe there's is going to keep getting better. The momentum is going to keep building, and we're going to experience God in a way this month that could be life-changing, and I will challenge you, be here tonight. Everybody say tonight. Tonight at 5 o'clock, man, and we're going to experience God in a way that, I mean, it's going to be completely life-changing. 
And here's what we're doing in this series. We're just looking through the scripture and we're seeing a few moments in scripture when people have a life-changing encounter with God. Last week, we started by talking about a guy named Isaiah. Isaiah had an incredible encounter with the Lord. I don't have time to go into all of that. I actually talked about it last week. So if you missed last week, I'll just say, go and listen to the podcast because it really sets up the heart of this entire series and this entire month. Today, we're going to jump into another encounter with God. It's actually found in the book of John, chapter 5, and verse number 1. In fact, why don't you turn there, get your, get your LifeGate app ready. It's also on the screen. I want us to read this encounter together in John 5, verse 1. Let's see what it says. Sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem the one, for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. Everybody say, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now think about this story for just a second. I mean, first of all, pretty cool story. And yet we also have to admit a little bit weird, okay? I mean, just think. I mean, first of all, here's a guy laying by this pool. They named this pool the, the pool beside the sheep gate. I have no idea who named it the sheep gate. I'm just thinking if, if there's a pool by the sheep gate, I'm not sure I won't get in the pool. Come on, right? <laughs> little weird, a little strange. And then you read it. Some translations actually even say that what would happen was an angel would come down into the pool of water and would stir up the water and the people that were laying around there that were sick and lame and blind, whoever would get into the water first when the angel stirred it up would be able to receive their healing. A little strange, right? Who says the Bible's not interesting? It's in there. It's interesting, right? And we read this story and here's this guy. The Bible says that he was an invalid. He was crippled. He, he was confined to a mat. He could not walk. And he had laid at this pool. We don't know exactly how long he had been laying at the pool, but the Bible tells us exactly how long he had been crippled. He had been this way for 38 years. That's a long time. I mean, think about that. Imagine struggling with something for 38 years long years. And the truth is there are some of you that are in this place today who are struggling with some things a lot like this man, and you've been struggling with it for a long time. Maybe you're not physically crippled, but many of you maybe are sitting in this room, and there are other things in your life that have crippled you and kept you from the miracle God wants to do in your life. Maybe there's some of you that are here today and maybe you, have, maybe you have some addictions that are holding you bound and maybe you've tried and tried and tried to break the addictions and they're affecting your marriage and they're affecting your family and they're affecting your life, but that addiction has you crippled and you cannot step up and walk into the plan that God has for your life because of the addiction that has had a hold upon you. 
Maybe some of you are in this room and maybe it's something happening in your marriage or maybe in a broken relationship or maybe something that someone did or said maybe even a long time ago, maybe even things that happened to you when you were young and yet that hurt and that pain and that struggle or that bitterness or that resentment or that unforgiveness has a hold on you and has crippled you from moving forward into the plan that God has for you. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe you have some broken dreams, maybe some delayed dreams, maybe some things that God put on your heart, but those things didn't come to pass as quickly as you thought that they would. And you're a lot like this man that your dreams are broken as you lay there and can't seem to move, laying there for a long time. 38 years, y'all. That's a long time to wait. And let's be honest, nobody likes waiting. Come on, right? Like 38 years, I don't even like 38 seconds for slow Wi-Fi, you know? I mean, we live in that kind of culture where everybody wants everything quick. We want it instant. We want it, we want it to, be, to happen now. I mean, we got fast food. Come on. And then we go complain because the food at the fast food place wasn't fast enough, right? I mean, we got high-speed internet. We got instant messages and quick lubes and express, express lanes. We even got fast taco, y'all. And it ain't that fast. For some reason, slow taco just don't have the same ring, you know. And yet here's this guy, 38 years, laying there and waiting. And here's what I know, is that many times, in order to experience what God has for you, there's going to be some waiting in the experience. We don't like to wait, but... Many times, God's timing is not the same as our timing. And here's what I've learned. The longer I have to wait, the harder it gets. In fact, I think this is what we see from this story here. I want you to see three things. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down. The first one is the longer I wait, the more discouraged I become. You ever been there before? Like I'm waiting on something to happen or I'm struggling with something that I've been struggling with for a long time or maybe there's a promise in my life that I'm believing God for and I, and I, I get excited about it but then it doesn't happen in the timing that I want it to happen and I wait for a week or a month or a year or, or a few years or 38 years, come on, and the longer I wait, the more discouraging it gets for me. Maybe some of you are here that, and you're that way in your marriage and you're going, man, you know, I really thought God was going to do something in my marriage and really we've really tried and, you know, I'm trying to be nice and I do the dishes a little bit, you know, and we go to church and we're trying to do the thing and things really just aren't seeming to, to really change in my marriage and the more I wait on it to happen and the longer I struggle with it, the more discouraged I seem to kind of become in the situation. Maybe there's some of you that have a physical need, and maybe, maybe you've, you've tried to go from doctor to doctor to doctor trying to look for something, maybe a medicine or whatever, and you're experiencing that, hey, things aren't changing, and the longer you live in that state where things aren't changing the way you wanted them to change, the easier it is to kind of start getting discouraged. Maybe some of you have some dreams that have been delayed, like maybe some of you are here today and the dream of your life is to just one day meet that special someone. You know, I mean that little, that someone that you just, your eyes meet and you just feel all tingly on the inside. You know what I'm saying? And so you're looking for that someone and you're like, I know God's got that someone for me. And so I'm going I'm to go to the young adult group because I know that someone's got to be at the young adult group. And I got my eyes on Jesus, but I got one eye on Jesus and one eye on the other people. And come on, right? 
and maybe, maybe you wouldn't want to admit it, but hey, I tried the Christian mingle thing, you know, and I swiped left a couple times, and the more I swiped left, the more I realized this ain't happening. Come on, you know what I'm saying, right? And maybe some of you looking at your life, you go, well, I'm 20, and so that's okay, but then, hey, I'm 25, and I'm starting to, you know, and then I'm 30, and then I'm starting to run out of options, you know what I'm saying? And, and this ain't going to happen, and you get discouraged. Maybe some of you, the dream of your life is, I'm going to meet that someone, we're going to get married, and then together we're going to start a family. I just want to have children and be a, be a mom or be a dad, and that's all I want for my life, but it's not happening. And you try, and you try, and you try, and that's the fun part. Come on, let's just be honest. Some of y'all are acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But then after a while, it's not quite as fun because things aren't happening. I go to the fertility treatments and things still not happening or maybe even maybe even you get pregnant and then tragically you have problems and lose the baby and maybe you sign up for adoption and even get picked and then the mom changes her mind and says I want to keep the baby and you got all of this discouragement that begins to pour down on you the longer you wait the longer it's drawn out the longer you deal with an issue the more you begin to feel the discouragement that comes along with the unanswered prayers. Maybe some of you have loved ones. They don't know the Lord. You've been praying for them. You've invited them to church. You're hoping that one day they're going to experience and encounter God in the way that you haven't. Yet the more you pray for them and the harder you try, it seems like the further and further and further they get away from God and from the church. And maybe you feel a little bit discouraged. The longer you wait, the more discouraged you become. And I remember this in my own life. I remember when we first started the church, God had put put such a burden on my heart for this community that we we're going to reach people in this community that didn't know the Lord. And man, this big dream of what our church was going to be like and what it was going to, what we were going to do. And I remember we started the church. It was really, it was just me and Amber and two little girls who were two and one year old at the time. And nobody in town even knew that we existed. <laughs> I remember, man, I would think, you know, we're going to invite people to church, and there was like four or five other churches that were starting all at that same time, and we had services because we had looked everywhere to try to find somewhere to have service, and we, we finally found a place, but we had to have our services on Saturday nights over at the Hughley Fitness Center, and, and people didn't know that we were there. Some people thought we were Seventh-day Adventists because we were on Saturday nights at the Hughley Fitness Center, and I mean, I remember the discouragement week after week after week as I would, as I would stand in that. They had this big atrium. They had these big glass doors, and I would stand there, our services with her at 5 o'clock, and I'd be out there at like 4.59, and I'd be looking out the window going, is somebody new going to show up today? And week after week, when nobody new show up, and it was just our little handful of people, and wondering, God, I know you have a call for me. I know you had a dream in my life. I've prayed, and I've given it and trusted it to you, and it's just not happening. And the longer you wait, the more discouraged you become. Notice number two, that the longer we wait, not only is it the more discouraged that we become, but the longer we wait, the more excuses we begin to make. In fact, this is what we see happen for this guy in verse number six. And when Jesus saw him laying there, he learned that he had been in the condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone goes down and gets in ahead of me. Now, I don't want to be too hard on this guy. I know because, I mean, I've never been an invalid, and I'm sure it wasn't easy. But I just got to say, like, if I knew that when the water got stirred up, if I got in the water, I was going to be healed, I'm just thinking I'd probably figure out a way to get there. 
Like this guy, I know he's crippled and he can't walk, but maybe he could crawl just a little bit, you know? Maybe he could kind of shuffle on over there just a little bit. Maybe, maybe kind of scoot, maybe kind of roll, do the worm, whatever you got to do to get in the water, right? And yet what happens? Jesus says, why didn't you get in the water? And what does he say? Well, nobody would help me. Excuses. Everybody's getting in before me. Excuses. And isn't this the tendency that the longer we deal with something and the more we have to wait in an area of our lives, the easier it is to begin to make excuses for it. I know God wants to do something, but you know what? I wrote the prayer thing on the prayer wall last time, and that didn't happen. Oh, I know that, you know, Pastor made it a time for us to come on Sunday nights and encounter God, but I'm busy, and I've already been there to church once, and i got stuff going on because school's getting ready to start again. Oh, you know, I know that I, I need to get out there and, and work really hard, but I'm never really going to get a good job because I don't have an education. I know our marriage is not what it should be, but, you know, I don't have time to work on that right now because I'm so busy with my whatever, my schoolwork or my work or And over and over and over, the longer you deal with an issue, the easier it is to just start making excuses. Number three, write it down. The longer you deal with something, the more you wait, the more discouraged you become, the easier it is to make excuses. But this is the saddest one of all. The longer you wait, the more you just learn to live with it. This is the way it's always going to be. I might as well just get used to it. Might as well learn to adapt. In fact, isn't this what this guy kind of did? He had been there for 38 years. He's probably thinking, you know what? It's been this way 38 years. Nothing's going to change. So I might as well just kind of get used to things being the way they are. I don't like them, but I got to learn to live with it. I got to learn to compensate for it. Oh, you know, I know, I know I'm, I'm struggling with addiction, but hey, I'm a high-functioning addict, I'm a high-functioning alcoholic. I, got, I don't like it, but I got it under control. And, oh, it's messing with my marriage and my kids and all that. But I've kind of learned to just live in it. I don't like my marriage the way that it is. We don't have any intimacy, and there's no spiritual leadership, and it's affecting the kids, but it hadn't changed in all these years. It's never going to get any better. I just might as well learn to just kind of live with it. I know God's got dreams for me and for my life, and I know I'm not quite living up to those dreams and and really reaching out in faith to be the man or woman that God called me to be, but, man, that would require me to step out of my comfort zone a little bit, and I've kind of just gotten familiar and comfortable with where I am right now, and I'm kind of missing out on that dream, but it's okay because I've gotten used to it. And here's the deal, guys, is that God's not going to change something that you allow. And you've got to get to a point where you say, hey, I'm not comfortable here. I'm not, I'm not so familiar here that I'm not able to step out into faith to experience what God has for me. You see, it's not until your desire becomes greater than your disability that you actually experience the miracle of God in your life. And you've got to decide. Man, I'm not going to just be comfortable with where I'm at. I'm going to step out into what God wants for me. And this is what Jesus asks the man. Look what he says in verse number 6. Do you want to get well? Now think about that. What kind of question is that? Here's a guy been laying there sick, can't move for 38 years, and Jesus comes along and just asks the obvious. Do you want to get well? That's like asking a guy who's hungry. Do you want an all-you-can-eat buffet? 
That's like asking a preacher, do you want people to say amen? Yeah, of course I want people to. Right? And you, yeah, there you go. I like it. <laughs> asking you shall receive. And Jesus comes along and goes, do you want to get well? And the guy's like, yeah, of course. And yet maybe there was more to that question. Maybe Jesus actually saw the guy. And maybe he had realized that, you know, this guy, maybe he doesn't want it as much as he says he does. He's making excuses. He's gotten used to living at the place that he is. And so he asks him the question, do you want it? And how bad do you want it? And what are you willing to do to get it? There might be some of you that are sitting in this room today, and maybe that's the same question that God is asking you. Hey, I, wanna, I want you to encounter me in a way that would be life-changing. How bad do you want it? Have you gotten used to your life the way it is? Or has your desire become greater than the disability? Have you gotten to a place where I'm willing to step out of what is comfortable and familiar and step out in faith into what God has? Pastor, what do I do? Like if, if I'm in that place, in that waiting time, if I'm dealing with something that I've been dealing with for a long time, what do I do? Well, I think... From this passage, I think we can just see three takeaway points. If you're taking notes, three things that had to happen for this man and three things that will have to happen for you if you're going to experience an encounter with God, a miracle in your life. The first one is you're going to have to remove the excuses. So everybody say, remove the excuses. Guys, we got to get rid of excuses. See, excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got them, and they all stink. Come on, that joke's better than y'all laughed. That's good. And here's the deal. Most of us, we got our excuses for why we can't. And what if we decided, man, I'm, man, I'm no longer going to make an excuse. Instead, I'm going to start making a way. In fact, what if we were like this woman in Luke chapter 8? She had been sick for 12 long years. The Bible called it an issue of blood. We don't know exactly what the deal was, but we know that she had gone to every doctor and tried every kind of medicine and everything that you could ever think of. And finally, someone said, if you could just get to Jesus, there's this guy, he will bring healing. And so what did she do? She sold everything she had. She traveled to where Jesus was. And what happened when she got to where Jesus was? There was such a large crowd around him that she couldn't break through and she couldn't get in. And she at that moment could have easily made excuses. I've tried everything else. I've spent all that I had. This was my last resort and then I get here and can't even get to Jesus, but she didn't make an excuse. She made a path. She broke through and got to where Jesus was. Maybe some of you need to be like David. He was facing a big giant named Goliath and all the people were making excuses. This giant's too big and we're not strong enough and David could have surely made excuses. I'm just a shepherd boy. I don't even have real, I don't even have real weapons. I just got a slingshot. I, I'm, I'm not trained and I'm not experienced and I don't, I'm not big enough or strong enough. But David didn't make excuses. David, David made arrangements. He went down to the little brook and he picked up five smooth stones and he charged out in the name of the Lord. Maybe some of us need to be be like the men in the book of Mark who had a friend who had, who had some disease that was causing him not to be able to walk. He was confined to a stretcher. It would have been easy to say, we can't get this guy to Jesus. He's too heavy and it's too far away. But they didn't make excuses. They made a way. They picked him up and they brought him to where Jesus was. And when they got to the house where Jesus was, it was full. There was too many people. They couldn't get in. They could have said, well, we got an excuse for not going the rest of the way. But they didn't. They climbed up to the top of the roof and they peeled off the roof and lowered the man down so he could experience the healing. They didn't make an excuse. They made a way. 
And some of us need to get to that place where we say, I'm tired of making excuses. I'm going to make a path. I'm going to make arrangements. I'm going to make appointments. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a path to get to what Jesus has for me. What excuses are you making? I can't come tonight. I'm too busy and it's a little rainy outside. Or I can't, you know, I don't want to go put something on the wall. Someone might know that that's me when I put it on there. I don't want to go have somebody pray for me because I don't really like getting that close to people. And, you know, they might have bad breath. And we give them mints. We really do. Before they pray for you, we really do. And maybe you'd have to say, hey, I'm going to get rid of the excuses. I'm going to remove the excuse number two. Check this out. I'm going to have to, re- I'm going to, have to release some past experiences. Some of you, I'll tell you what's holding you back, is your past experiences. Some of you are here today, and maybe you've heard sermons like this before or been in churches where they talked about having an encounter with God, and someone went overboard, and it weirded you out just a little bit, and you're like, I don't want any part of that because of something I've seen in the past. Maybe some of you have been taught all that supernatural stuff that ended in the Bible days. Maybe some of you have even tried to experience God before, prayed and asked him to do things in your life, and things didn't turn out the way you thought that they would. And so now, because of your past experience, it's holding you back from the present miracle that God wants to do in your life. And maybe you'd have to let go of some old stuff. In fact, this is what I see in the story of this man. Check this out. The miracle didn't happen in the way that the man expected it to happen. It didn't happen in the way that they had experienced it in the past. He thought, i got to get in the pool in order to receive the miracle. And Jesus came along and said, behold, I am doing a new thing. Come on. I want to do something that's beyond what you have seen or experienced in the past. And some of you got to let go of some past stuff in order to take hold of the present and the future stuff that God has for you. you got to release the past. Number three, check this one out. You're going to have to respond. Everybody say respond. Respond to Jesus. Look at this. Verse number eight, and then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. Notice this, Jesus was offering healing to the man, but the man had to receive it. Jesus reached out his hand, but the man had to take it. And here's what I want to tell you here today. God wants you to walk, but you got to take the first step. You got to take a step of faith you got to say, hey, what is God asking me to do? In this instance, he told them, pick up your mat and walk. And there may be some of you that are here today, you need to experience something in your marriage. And maybe God would just begin to put into your heart, this is the next step. You need to go to counseling, or you need to come to Encounter Night, or you need to get a book and read it together, or you need to, whatever it might be. And this is what you do. You take the next step. You take the step of faith. See, God will meet you where you're at, but you have to take the first step. He said, if you will draw close to me, I will then draw close to you. I don't know what the step is for you. Maybe today the next step is simply this, making the decision. I want to be well. I don't want to keep dealing with what I'm dealing with. I've become comfortable. I don't like it, but it's too scary to step out. And maybe today you'd say, I no longer want to be on this mat deal with this thing I've been dealing with for the last 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever years, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to respond to the call.